With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network is underway. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. YouTube, full throttle. Here we go. You can join us in the chat. Chat will be there. The entire show, as usual, Dan Dockett will be here in 20 minutes. Plenty to get to there across the NBA and with golf, and we'll do that just that with George Savarikas of the Golf Channel and ESPN. That's coming up later in today's show. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited about today's show. Excited about the weekend, and yep. we got a big week ahead, which I know is going to move faster than last week moved for us. It I can feel it right now. Same. It's going to fly by. Same. Uh, before we get to the quitters, the Boston Celtics last night, how about the PGA Championship? And for as great as Brooks Kepka is and became, because he went, he went into a legendary status with his fifth major yesterday. Michael Block. Mike Block is remembered forever. Not just, well, it, it starts with the fact that he's a country club pro who never expected to make the cut. He's played in this event four times prior. This is his fifth PGA championship that he's qualified for. He's one of the 20 of the pros who get to play in the field. Had a flight booked back home from New York to California Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And then he shot back-to-back 70s. Not only made the cut, but was paired with Rory McIlroy for the final round. The night before the final round, he's at the pub hanging out like he normally would. Business as usual. Uh, as a country club pro would do, right? Talking range lessons that he's got to give on Monday. Except he became legendary. Chasing the leader saying he belonged, and then he hit a hole-in-one on 15 where, I mean, it was a swish. Didn't even hit the flagstick. And from that point on, he won the tournament. I mean, it, it, for me, it, not just the, the best shot of the, of the tournament, best shot of the year, how can we overlook the fact that a country club pro just went and did that? Or as difficult as it is, or as easy as it may seem, honestly, where you can play a great round. This guy had a great weekend great week at Oak Hill and and became synonymous for what all of us believe we could do I mean I'm not raising my hand saying I could but the country club pros across the country are thinking man I would kill to be able to do that and he able he was able to pull it off and did it shot for shot with Rory McIlroy Chad it was phenomenal um he's already received a an invite to the colonial as an exemption for this coming week Starting on Thursday, 45,000 people in attendance, giving him a huge ovation. I mean, he's got Jim Nance calling the hole-in-one on 15. He's mic'd up on Friday and Saturday's coverage of the PGA Championship. And oh, by the way, Brooks Kepka wins another major, and Michael Block steals the show. There is an everyman quality about golf that you can't find in a lot of other sports where guys look like every other man at times, like 
our old friend Mike Block <laughs> looks like our buddy Josh Castile when I saw him. I mean, he looks like our buddy yeah. out there hitting a hole-in-one and playing so well to PGA Championship as a, as a club pro that he gets an invite to, to the Colonial the following week. Really cool story. Mike Block also sounds like the name that you would come up with if you were in a comedy, if someone put you on the spot and you came up with a fake name, yeah. and you just uh, what's your name? Is uh, Mike uh, Block? It sounds like something you'd come up with on the spot. Really good story. This is what it's all about. The PGA Championship has delivered some great drama yeah. in recent years, from Phil Mickelson being the oldest player ever to win a major championship, Brooks Kepka multiple times. Um, you had Colin Morikawa with the walk off a few years ago, also. This has been a terrific tournament for drama. This is clearly the fourth major, oftentimes the forgotten major, but it's delivered some unforgettable moments in recent years. Michael Block with that hole-in-one and Brooks Kepka on the comeback. If you watch that Netflix documentary, Full Swing, and you see how Brooks Kepka was deep into self-doubt when he decided to make the jump to live tour, thinking he may never get it back. All the injuries, the bad putting, well, he is very much back. Second place finish, the Masters, wins the PGA Championship. He is entering, it looks like, Hutton, another spot in his career where he could possibly go on a bit of a tear right yeah. now with the way he's playing. Well, so four majors is historically elite when you look at the numbers and the, and the names involved. Five, talking with a, a PGA uh, pro recently, five puts you in a mental toughness and an emotional stability category that others just can't reach. And that's Brooks Kepka. And I was thinking back to uh, the, the Netflix series where he's in shambles. You know, he doesn't know if he's going to get back to where he was. That's due in large part to why he joined the Live Tour. At least that's what people were throwing out there. I mean, the money is certainly there too. But Chad, I mean, this, this guy, uh, when you compare him to where he was in April... Um, or, or excuse me, yeah, yeah, in April, a month ago, for the Masters. He entered Sunday with a one-shot lead at Augusta on the final round, and he entered yesterday with a, what, a one-shot lead, a two-shot lead at Augusta, I believe. Yeah. Ends up losing, said he choked, said, I'm not going to make the same mistakes again, I'm going to learn from this. Entered with a one-shot lead yesterday, then birdied, what, four of the first five holes, three of the first four? He delivered and then, and on then, learning from that Masters experience. And then dominated the 16th hole. Um, and that's that's all she wrote. Brooks Kepka goes down in history and joins guys like Seve and, and Mickelson and uh, Byron Nelson, Thompson, and others. I mean, th this is – I thought about Jordan Spieth. This is a good example of what Spieth can then turn around and do. Right, because he's in a bit of a lull. He's, he's in banged a, up. Uh, yeah, I think he's in a big-time lull. The other one is Rory McIlroy. He passes Rory. Rory with yeah. four major championships in his career. Now, he's got a bunch more tour titles over the course of you know non-majors in his career, but um, Rory, the numbers were great in his first 30, 40 starts at majors and have really tailed off. It's been no championships in a long time. And uh, Brooks Kepka. I know Mark Harris at OutKick is writing that he's passed Rory. Says people aren't going to want to believe that because Rory has other championships, but you were defined and measured by major championships, and Brooks Kepka in a way shorter amount of time has one more major championship than Rory McIlroy, and that's tough for people to envision because Rory is a, a 
fan favorite on tour. He was the vocal leader of everyone against Live Tour. He was the defender of all things PGA. And here's Brooks Kepka going off to Live, where everyone thought that was your death march out of your career, just taking the bag and running, and you're never going to compete for major championships again. No problem for Brooks Kepka. He doesn't need the competition of the PGA Tour to be great in majors. He's showing that right now. I think that defies a lot of people's logic in regards to live tour and what that means about your career if you go and well, take the money and play on that tour. For a handful of players. But first and foremost, Brooks Kepka. DeChambeau played well in this tournament, too. Let's yeah. also mention that. Uh, and not only did Kepka pass Rory, he passes the New York Jets and the, the New York Mets in total championships in the state of New York. That's his third championship, uh, third major one in New York. So he's, he's got something going there in NY. That's got to be tough for New Yorkers to stomach, <laughs> seeing that a Floridian in Brooks Kepka has more championships than uh, two of your beloved teams. And oh, by the way, uh, Mike Block rose 3,000 spots in the world rankings. Can he's we up, discuss the like physics five, of a, that hole-in-one? In uh, that I, I don't understand how the ball doesn't bounce out or at least bounce up to where you see it. It's like, almost like it got pinned between the flag stick and the hole, but it, it hit the hole perfectly because they had to fix the cup. Yeah, but from that distance to 151, clank a ball into the bottom of the cup and not have any reverb to bounce up, or you couldn't even see the flag really move. No. It just disappeared. It was a swish. I mean, it was I mean, the, it was there and then it was gone. I'm just I'm amazed. We need the uh, 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 who's the Brinkus, the science guy, <laughs> yeah. to come on and explain of that. how a ball could do that and give us the flight and everything else where it doesn't bounce back, move the flag stick, anything. It just disappears. So you hit it's a hole magical. in one. You're supposed to buy a round for the clubhouse, right? Maybe he ends up doing that yesterday for for some of the guys. He's never going to have to do that again, though, ever. He's never going to have to buy drinks again at any, any golf course he shows up at. How it's many amazing. people – here's the, the side story I want to see written. How many people called his club in Mission Viejo, California, wanting to get lessons from him? Did you see the promo Wanting to either the, join that club – From 10 years ago? Or take lessons from Block. The, the on-purpose, like, tongue-in-cheek, yeah, cheesy it was, promo? It was, it was pretty bad. But I, I do want to know how many people now are flocking. If I lived in that oh. area and I want to be better at golf, I'd probably flock to that – course that club I, to get lessons from him this newfound celebrity if you're live tour do you call him that's a good question <laughs> uh, you don't pay him the way you are some of the other stars but I yeah mean, maybe they, they print money <laughs> what if he what if he instead of going to the colonial after that teary acceptance like, sorry, call so actually the live tour's got something in, in dubai in, in dubai <laughs> this week i'm gonna i'm gonna take that instead i'll be missing out on the colonial. i'm headed with kepka to dubai yeah. i'm on the pro i'm on the pj with uh, Kepka and DeChambeau headed back to the Middle East, I'll be in that tournament. Chad, the Boston Celtics won't be headed to the Middle East, but they're headed to Cabo or somewhere other than South Beach because at the end of the first quarter last night, it was game over to the point where everyone... Like, there are some cases where you don't really know if a team quit or not. This is definitive. The Boston Celtics quit in front of America last night against the Miami Heat. It was an embarrassment yesterday, and it started on Friday night. Uh, I'm watching this game. A lot of America's watching this game. The Celtics go up nine points on a three-pointer from seldom-used Grant Williams, who's completely lost his role with the team coming off the bench. He's been averaging 4.7 points per game in these playoffs. And I don't know if it's frustration for losing his spot in the rotation 
or what? Now, motion getting the best of them? I don't know what it is. There's but something up there. This is twice now we've seen an example of someone that should not be poking the bear, poking the bear and having not just their hand bitten, but all of their limbs ripped from their body after doing so. First, it was Dylan Brooks and LeBron James, who had a big part in the Grizzlies losing that series. And now, suddenly, the Grizzlies aren't even willing to discuss the possibility of Dylan Brooks coming back to that team. I don't think Grant Williams is going to be back as a Boston Celtic after this, quite frankly. Some may find that extreme. I don't. It was stupid what he did. And I love Grant Williams. Loved him as a player in the SEC at Tennessee. But you do not go after playoff Jimmy when you are Grant Williams. There is a belief in sports that the teams that excel the most have players that know, understand, and play their roles. You are averaging 4.7 points in the playoffs. You are being asked to guard the current best player in the playoffs. This is the best playoff player in basketball right now. It's a matchup that's not good for you to begin with. What you don't do is get open for a three, hit it, and then jaw at that player the whole way down the court to where he starts laughing immediately at you talking trash to him and goes down the other end and gets an and one on you, goes nose to nose with you, and then proceeds to completely discombobulate you and your entire organization. Grant Williams probably won't be back with the Celtics after this display. It was dumb. You need to know your role in sports. I don't like it. I found it entertaining in the moment, and I also thought to myself, boy, probably not the smartest thing to do to rile up Jimmy Butler when you're already down 0-1 in the series at home, and now look what happened. You're down 0-3, and you rest your starters in the fourth quarter of a blowout game down in Miami. The Celtics, with a great Game 7 performance a week ago against the 76ers, That feels like 10 years ago right now, the way this series is going against the Heat. Heat culture have all but evaporated a Boston franchise that should have all the culture in the world with a team and a franchise built on success. What an embarrassment for the Celtics in this series. And Grant Williams played a big part in that in his small role with the Celtics. Chad, you know what else is going to feel like 10 years? The wait for game one of the NBA Finals. Because both of these series now are 3-0. Nuggets leading the Lakers, a chance to close them out tonight. And, of course, we've already seen the Boston Celtics not just wave the white flag, but came out with their hands in the air saying, cuff me, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was game three. They, they acted like that was a game four. They were down 0-3 last night. Point being, I, I think it's two different types of sweeps because I think the Lakers can play their best and Denver's still going to win. I think that, that's evident based on what we've seen. And in the case of Boston, I don't know how you rebound from that after last night, even though Miami, for the first time in the postseason, I believe, is, a, is an actual Vegas favorite, favored by one and a half tomorrow night. But here's what's going to feel like 10 years. Game one of the NBA Finals is on Thursday, June 1st. That is a week from this Thursday. And if you have back-to-back sweeps, that's ABC and ESPN wanting June 1st to when they start, because game seven would be June 18th, potentially. That is going to feel like pure misery, waiting on game one, of Miami and Denver, if in fact we get the back-to-back sweeps. And that's never happened, by the way, in NBA history, where both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals have both ended in sweeps. Gosh, that would be an eternity <laughs> to, to wait for that. We need, yeah, you need one, one of these two teams to do something. Well, I mean, you, at some point you risk people. Uh, does it build excitement, or is it the risk more of people forget that you're still playing? 
when you take that long off in between series. Well, they wouldn't if it was Boston and L.A. Well, there'd be but, a big buildup. But what about Denver-Miami this year? You I know? don't know that it would. I mean, they it's could start the same. It's still the finals. Yeah, I mean, who knows? They could start a day later, and it may not matter based on the teams Maybe playing not. in it, even if it was Celtics-Lakers. But we'll find out because it looks like right now we've got possibly a, a I would put the money more on a clean sweep on both sides than either one of these teams being the first ever NBA team to come back from 3-0 to win a series. There, there's we a got lot. the YouTube chat asking if one of these teams could make history with that. And, this, and I have not seen a bit of that from either uh, of these Lakers or Celtics teams to see that. way too inconsistent. Yeah. And Denver, their role players and their star players are just – great i mean they're the best team and lebron's starting to look old and hurt which he is yeah. and i mean that's it's natural but, he's looking old and hurt now but the, the guy that's got to carry them is not carrying them every every game no. in anthony davis dan dockich is about to join us we will ask him about the celtics performance also miami coming from the eight seed the fact that we have a head coach trying to take the fall in the nba for these guys not being ready to come out and play well in game three down 0-2 to miami Dan weighs in on that, plus Jokic and Jim Ursay commenting on his top five players of all time, and it doesn't include a quarterback that was a Hall of Famer for him, but does include a quarterback who didn't want to play for the Indianapolis franchise. That's next on Hot Mike. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up, we've got the NFL, according to a report, doing more investigating on gambling accusations within their league. We've got that, plus a vote that could potentially affect your team this upcoming fall across the National Football League. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Sixth and Peabody are location with Ehab Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Dan Dockett joins us. You can check him out across the Outkick Network each morning. Don't at me with Dan Dockich right here on this very YouTube page and beyond. Dan, good to see you, man. And, uh, man, what a weekend. We've got uh, PGA Championship storylines from Kepka and a PGA Pro for, the, uh, for country clubs everywhere. And then we've got storylines like we did last night in the NBA where guys are quitting in, right in front of us. Hope you're doing well. Hope the weekend is good. <laughs> My weekend was spent at the University of Arkansas watching the ladies of Harvard softball get beat twice, but that's all right. They played their brains out. They just pitched to the wrong gal, and she had a three-run home run for Notre Dame. But I got to say this, never been to the University of Arkansas. Pretty nice place, incredible place, and, of course, Bentonville, where the Waltons are. Everything's brand new there and really nice. So, Bentonville, Arkansas, I salute you. Dan, whenever you uh, you moved in your chair, you messed You're... up your mic somehow. So, just pull that back up. Pull uh, the mic oh. back up and then we'll be Elon good to go. Elon Phoenix, if you don't mind. Uh, just looking at your... You know... Well done. Well done. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got the Elon, not Elon Musk. I got the Elon Phoenix here. I'm representing. Although and Elon I Musk give could a buy the school, to, I'm sure, if he wanted. <laughs> I would believe so. Although yep. they have a very, very nice uh, in. I got to give my son props. Uh, Duncan Robinson yesterday dropped 22. Uh, Andrew, who coaches at Illinois State, used to coach for the Phoenix, uh, worked him out day before. And next thing you know, Robinson, they worked on a lot of dribble moves. Robinson getting to the rim. So uh, he kept my son there, paid for him to stay another night, called the coach at Illinois State, said, look, we're not screwing this up. He's got to work me out before game four. So I'm going to give my son, who coached at Elon and now is at Illinois State, a lot of credit. He and Robinson were college roommates, best of friends, that kind of deal. So there you go. Dan Dockich with us, host of Don't At Me. Jim Beheim will be his guest tomorrow, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern, uh, right here across the Outkick Network. Uh, Dan, an NBA team quitting at this stage of the postseason. You have a head coach going to the podium down 0-3 after a blowout, pathetic loss on the road, showing no energy, no emotion, no heart, and taking the blame, saying he didn't have his team ready. What do you make of the decision for Joe Missoula to do that? Stupid. Very, very stupid. Uh, I did it once. I did it one time. Uh, I was the interim coach at Indiana. We were 2-0, and went to Michigan State. Senior night, they made all their threes. We got blown out. And I very stupidly said, yeah, I didn't have them ready. Uh, no, you don't do that because everybody's going to blame you anyway. Everybody's going to blame the coach. And, you know, Jason Tatum's making $30 million. I don't know. Maybe he should get himself ready. Uh, $26 million is what Jalen Brown's making. I don't know. Maybe you should get yourself ready. $22 million is what Brogdon's making. And we here in Indianapolis had enough of Brogdon. Uh, and we know what he is about, which isn't much. So, look, don't do that as a coach. It sounds good, but players don't care whether you blame yourself. It's not like you're ingraining yourself to the players. Players always look at kindness as weakness, particularly when it's their fault. Uh, they're not looking at it like, oh, coach really has our back. Yeah, okay. Uh, sure they are. No, they're not. I promise you that. You know what? You're paid a lot of money to play in big moments. I mean, I don't think guys are paying – that kind of money to show up, I don't know, on a Wednesday in January. Jason Tatum no-showed it. They quit. Uh, Horford's making $26 million. He's been in the league since I was in college. He should know better. It was a miserable performance. But you know what? I think this. I think we're focusing too much, or at least I was. I can't speak for you guys. On the quitting of the Celtics. At some point, you got to give great credit to the ball movement, the unselfishness, the connection that all those guys with the Miami Heat, Spolstra, and the entire crew have, because it's special to watch. It really is. And it's not its not just Jimmy Butler, man. Everybody's involved. You know, I want to ask you about that Heat culture that we keep hearing so much about, led by Eric Spolstra and what they've been able to do. But first, I want to ask more about the Celtics' failure, specifically Grant Williams. Grant Williams averaging 4.7 points per game in the playoffs, hits a three, decides to jaw with Jimmy Butler, and the Celtics were up nine in the fourth quarter, and that leads to Jimmy Butler just taking over the game and mouthing at Williams and anyone else who will listen the rest of the time. Um, what does that say, Dan, about knowing your role in this game and oh. knowing when to pounce and when to shut up? Yeah, you got to know your role, and your role includes locker room. Your role includes leadership. Your role includes uh, who to talk to and who not to. Look. I'm sure there are some guys in the league that you can, as Grant Williams, bark at. You got momentum, 
and nothing's going to happen. But if you don't know by now that playoff Jimmy isn't one of those guys, you're out of your freaking mind. And Grant Williams, nobody's going to say it publicly. You know, nobody on the team is going to say it. Everybody's going to toe the company line. But the fact of the matter is, were I a teammate of Grant Williams, I'd be pissed because here's the deal. You did have it going on. You did. You were rolling. You were rolling by balling. You weren't rolling by talking. You weren't rolling by engaging. And all of a sudden you do. And Butler's the wrong, wrong guy. Now, look, all you got to do, maybe some, you know, all right, maybe it is other things. But all you got to do is look at what has happened since then. Big comeback. Lose game, uh, lose game two because of it, or maybe because of it, but you certainly lost game two after it, and then you get blown out. There's something going on there. The blowout that happened yesterday, I didn't really hit on this enough on my show. The blowout that happened yesterday tells me there is a bigger issue there with the Celtics. Like, I won't be surprised. Watch if this happens in game four. The Celtics play well for about whatever, two, two and a half quarters, and then they go away. That's when a team is disconnected. Everybody's going to try at first, but when tough things come, they go away. I don't even know if they tried to start with, but I'm really looking forward to seeing that. If, if what I just said happens, get off to a decent start, maybe up by halftime, but there's a point in the middle of the third quarter or whenever that they just go away and lose by double digits, that's when I got to seriously consider getting rid of players because getting rid of a coach ain't going to get it done. You're going to have to figure out your players because that would be a broken team. That's what I'm watching for game four. Dan, Eric Spolster is one of the few coaches I point to that have true power in the NBA that, that lead a team. How would you describe him? How would you describe heat culture and what he tries to build within that organization with Pat Riley also with what you've seen so far in these playoffs? I would describe it as smart, I mean, and uh, unencumbered by stupidity. Look, they eliminate the stupidity for the most part before they leave training camp, meaning we're going to put guys on this team that fit into our deal. They got to be talented enough, there's no question, but we're going to put guys in that fit into our deal, meaning we're going to coach them. And Pat Riley's whole slogan about culture involves being the nastiest, the toughest, the most coachable, the best in shape, the hardest working at our game. Well, there's a lot of NBA guys that reach a certain level and they don't want to do that anymore. Well, the Heat have found guys I did not ever hear, not one time in my co- or working in college basketball did I ever hear the name Gabe Vincent. I never heard that name until he went to the NBA. In fact, the only reason I know he went to Cal Santa Barbara is because my son's girlfriend played soccer at Cal Santa Barbara, and she said he was a really nice guy. I did hear about the Martin kid. He and his brother led Nevada uh, to the Final Four. Cody Zeller looks like that old man from the 70s. He's like Greg Kite out there, even though he was like a third or fifth pick in the draft, right? Yeah. I mean, and I, I said this at the time. I said this, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but when Tyler Hero went out, I said the number one guy you could afford to lose is Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero to me, just to me, seems like a me, me, I, I, kind of I want to be something I'm not guy. Now, he fits in fine, don't get me wrong, but they were eighth, if you remember, in the division with or in the uh, conference with Tyler Hero playing. Now, just remember that. He's the one guy. So now you paid Duncan Robinson $90 million for crying out loud a couple years ago. The dude is fearless. Uh, and all right, you plug him in and you're actually much better. This Heat team, if you played with this Heat team right now, 
over the course of a season, it would be the number one seed. But with Tyler Hero, they were the eighth seed. Losing him helped that team. I don't care what anybody tells me. You taking them over Denver? Uh, I am Serbian. Uh, Nikolai Jokic is my Serbian brother. (laughs) Hell no. No. Uh, He's going to drink Shlevo. Uh, we're going to be doing the chicken dance, and uh, Serbians are going to get their first title. Uh, at least I think it's their first title. Maybe Pete Maravich went to the Celtics and they won a title. I'm talking about their leading, our, our, our it's all our, leading the world. You know, and Jokic, uh, Jokic I'm taking him, uh, but I like Jamal Murray more. If I'm a Kentucky fan, I got to be sitting there going, what the hell? Look at all these guys that play great. <laughs> Let me, jeez. There's enough How of are we them out not there. in the final four? God dang, Chad. It's like, and not only are they playing well, they're monsters. Like Jamal Murray's a monster. Devin Booker's a monster. Bam Adebayo's a monster for crying out loud. I, hey, I love Cal, but man, oh man, Tyrese Maxey, monster during the playoffs. It's unbelievable that uh, I guess they've had a bunch of success. I know it's unfair, but damn. Darko Milicic, by the way, the first Serbian to win an NBA And Dan also just taught me that the chicken dance was Serbian. I didn't know that was a Serbian thing until now. No, I don't know if it is or isn't, but what I do know is every time uh, I went to St. Sava Serbian Hall for either a party, a festival, or a wedding, it was always, you know, know, so I just just brought it in. But Shlivovic, if you ever want to have a night, which we're too old now, where you lose. (laughs) David Faraday said on my show today that he lost 48 hours after he won the Scottish Open hanging with Led Zeppelin. You don't have to hang with Led Zeppelin. Just go get yourself a bottle of Shlivovitz. It's Serbian plum brandy, and you will lose time. You will not know where you are. You will fall down. You will have one of the great nights of your life, but you won't remember any of it. It's called, we, call it, uh, we call it Serbian Bam Bam. I, I, Don't get into the Serbian Bam Bam. It sounds like an Aaron Rodgers weekend is what you're describing. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> we took some ayahuasca yeah. and some Serbian Bam Bam on our retreat, our isolation yeah. retreat. Dan Dockich with us yeah. on Hot Mike. Um, how about Michael Block? Well, we're, just the, the hole-in-one wow. on 15 – Shot of the season of the year so far in the PGA. And, and just knowing the impact of everyone across the country that's in that line of work, thousands upon thousands of people that work at golf courses seeing that, members at country clubs seeing that, never actually imagining that it could actually be real, and then they see him do it. That's incredible. You know, I, I read something, or maybe they said it on the air, that he only hits like a bucket of balls a week. Uh, look, here's the most amazing thing to me, and you guys have followed sports and been around sports your whole life. You'll understand this. It's one thing if Michael Block, uh, tur- you know, a club pro in the PGA, gets a hole-in-one on Thursday. And everybody goes, oh, look, isn't this a great story? But Michael Block got a hole-in-one, as rare as a hole-in-one is. He got a hole-in-one with the whole world paying attention to him in the final round. Now, you can argue whether there's a higher being. I personally believe in God. I believe in heaven and hell. I'm Catholic. I got Catholic guilt. I got the whole deal. But you can't – there's something bigger here when the dude hits, boom, into the cup, tears the cup up. It's a hole-in-one in the biggest stage, in the biggest moment, and he's the biggest star at the time. 
It's too much. It's unbelievable. Good for him. Play next week. I will bet you that he shoots closer to 80 than he does 70 <laughs> in the first round next week. But who cares, right? Let's go, Michael Block. Jim Beheim on your show tomorrow. Don, don't at me, Dan. What are you most looking forward to getting into uh, with Jim Beheim? I'm, I'm fascinated by this conversation and interview you're about to have, given everything that's happened here recently. Well, I want to see how he's handling retirement. I mean, look, a lot of guys, you know, Bear Bryant died right after he retired. And I would argue that, yeah, okay, all of a sudden lung cancer got Joe Paterno after the whole scandal in retirement. I want to see how he's handling it. I also want to talk to him about Carmelo Anthony. You know, fellas, I don't know about you, but I thought Carmelo Anthony had retired, right? I, did too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Where the hell was he this year? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, one of the most amazing things about Syracuse and Jim Beheim is Carmelo Anthony. He was only there a year, but for whatever the reason, he, they won a championship, and that's the reason. But he loves Syracuse so much, their practice facility is called the Carmelo Anthony Center, and it's not one of those deals where they just named it after him. He gave the money for it. I mean, it is a, it is a unbelievably great relationship that only really was there a year. So I'm anxious to hear uh, from him on that. Jim's always very outspoken. I want to hear what he thinks of what's going on with the NCAA, the transfer portal, what's happening there. But mostly I want to see his thoughts on the NBA playoffs because he is in, he is the, the one head coach that I've ever met that is totally, completely engrossed in all levels of basketball. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. He loves it like nobody that I know, so he's watching every minute. I want to see what he's up to in retirement, and i got to find out about Anthony and their relationship. Jim Beheim on with Dan Dockett's Don't At Me tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern, uh, so an hour into the show. Dan, uh, Jim Ursay, we're going to hear a lot from him this week. Speaking of outspoken Jims, I, from I, one to another. I love his honesty. Uh, he's given an honest reaction to the greatest players in, the, in NFL history based on the passing of Jim Brown, and he tweets out his top five players. And I'm curious how this is going down in Indy because Ursay goes with Jim Brown, Tom Brady, John Elway, Deacon Jones, and Reggie White in that order. Now, of course, he doesn't have Peyton Manning listed, and he lists John Elway, which is peculiar, not just because Elway doesn't come to mind for many people in the top five of all time, but Elway refused to play for the Colts. And, I, I mean, that's also interesting in and of itself. And here's Ursay putting him number three, and Manning's not even listed. You know, I, I have a friend who was with the Colts for a long, long, long time. And when he speaks to me about the Colts, I didn't see this. He sent it to me. And then underneath, he said, this is 100% about number 18 winning just one Super Bowl in Indy and the owner passively, aggressively rubbing his face in it it is petulance personified. So I tweeted that out. I said, hey, can I tweet that out? He goes, yeah, but don't use me. Uh, so I tweeted it out as my own, caught some blowback on it. But, you know, it is amazing, to your point. Think about who he puts up there in front of Peyton Manning. Like, I remember Deacon Jones. It was great, the fearsome foursome. He was fantastic. Reggie White, I'm sure, was great. But let's be honest, John Elway in there when they made a 30 for 30 on why he did not come to Baltimore, to Baltimore to play for his dad back in the day? Right. Are you kidding me? I think I think it's a shot. I don't care what anybody says. I got a couple guys here with the Colts. 
Or, or actually, one of the, the play-by-play guy of the Pacers. Oh, that's crap. Guys are no, that's crap. No, it's not. I, I believe this. He does, you know, then he puts Peyton in there or whatever he does. I think it's an absolute shot by Jimmy Ursay. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think everybody within the Colts organization felt that way. And to your point, you asked me about Indy. People are stunned because whether you like Jim or you don't or you think he's this, you think he's that, that's a loyal dude to his players. He's done so many things to help former players, whether it's help with their kids, educations, what uh, health, whatever it is. And this is a guy that gave $24 million to Andrew Luck after Andrew Luck went away and he didn't have to. So I got to tell you, uh, it's stunning to all of us here at Indy. It's a little bit disappointing uh, to many, many people that Ursay would be that way, but I swear to you, to people that know and around the Colts, they think it's a direct shot right at Peyton Manning. Final minute here. Is the Brandon Miller reports uh, that he's not impressing scouts and that teams are backing away from him. And that he's out of shape. Is that a smokescreen to try to get him to fall to someone that's beyond pick two or three, or is it legit and they're looking for a reason to not draft him based on what happened at Bama? I think there's a little bit of both. I think some teams are looking at not drafting him. I think some teams are looking to draft him and wouldn't mind going down. Look, here's the deal. You guys know this better than anybody. They draft 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds in the NBA. Talent always prevails in the NBA. It just does. Uh, Brandon Miller, the one interesting thing, though, is that is on top of the obvious gun, bringing the gun, allegedly, whatever they did. So it does give you a little bit of pause But you know what? Potential reigns in the NBA, period, over accomplishment. So I'm just telling you, whatever anybody wants to write, that's great. I think Brandon Miller is going to be the first college basketball player drafted. It'll either be number three, number four, number two. It's not going to be number one, probably not number two. It'll be three or four. I don't care what anybody writes, unless he does something else stupid. Don't at me with Dan Dockett's tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Jim Beheim on at 10 Dan, thank you so much, man. We'll uh, we'll catch up soon. You guys are awesome. Great stuff today, Jonathan. Thanks, yeah, my guy. See you. You're, you're the man, Dan. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Dan Dockich. Great sign from Dan's wife. So Dan's stepdaughter plays for Harvard, mm-hmm. and they're in the NCAA tournament in Arkansas in Fayetteville, and I saw that he posted a picture of his wife with the Harvard parents that had a sign that said, highest GPA in college, in college softball – and then it said, school, it just means more. <laughs> and with a Harvard logo with going up against the SEC, which I found very clever. Scoring well done victory. by them. Scoring that victory. Yes. Uh, coming up, another female athlete uh, is denied and robbed of athletic achievement. Plus, biggest underdog right now in the NFL. We'll tell you which franchise. That's next on Hotline. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
Coming up, the NFL's investigating more gambling violations, and Al Michaels says he's not going to sugarcoat bad NFL scheduling when it comes to Thursday night football. Hot Mike with Utton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network, 6th and Peabody, our location, with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, Adeline Johnson finished fourth in the qualifying for state track. State meets are this coming weekend in California and missed the state invite and the qualifier by one spot because Athena Ryan, a transgender uh, male, now claiming to be female, but a biological male, finished second by running the 1,600-meter race, which is a mile, the mile race in four minutes, 55 seconds, and, uh, you know, a couple tenths, right? That is nearly nine seconds slower than the last place finisher in the boys' meet, which also took place in the prelims. And she finished second in this. Athena Ryan does. The biological male finished second in this, which was a season record for Ryan. But meanwhile, Adeline Johnson doesn't get to go to state based on who was able to take the podium. I'm willing to bet that kid's parents don't even cheer that outcome. Does well, anyone cheer? Well, based when, on when, uh, a, when a man beats women in an event that's designed based on for Amber women, story if you're the parents were... of that kid, are you doing a standing ovation? There you go, son. Good job. Way to beat those girls out there. I mean, I, I'm I'm being serious. If that's my kid, well, I'm sitting on my hands. And I'm uncomfortable there were a that group they're competing of, and knocking women out of the next round of the tournament. There was a group of advocates term. that were holding up the banner that said, save women's sports, and they were asked to leave. Or protect women's sports, is what it said. <laughs> what a weird, uh, again, California. weird world we're in right now with California. all this. Um, big, take one guess on who the biggest underdog is in the NFL. I'm, I'm going to say it's the one with the shortest starting quarterback. Um, is he the shortest? He's got to be shorter than Bryce Young. Uh, Bryce Young's the only other contender, and I think well, he's Bryce shorter. Bryce Young is 5'10". I want to say a, he's like 5'10", 5'9". Okay, Kyler Murray. Um, yes, Kyler Murray. Good, that's right. Kyler Murray's not even the starting quarterback right now because he's hurt. Towards ACL uh, late in the season, and now the Arizona Cardinals not favored in any game right now on any sports book out in Las Vegas, for good reason. I mean, beyond just Kyler Murray, they weren't good with him. Now they have a new head coach in Jonathan Gannon, uh, clearly in rebuild mode. And it's also safe to assume that with all the picks that they have, Caleb Williams is on the docket for Arizona. Um, they may not even have to actually try and tank at the end of the season, Chad, even when Kyler Murray is healthy enough to play. This may be the, the big benefit of just being a terrible team at the right time, a la Indianapolis, whenever they got Andrew Luck. This is going to be what I enjoy, you know, the legitimate, awful team. <laughs> Guys, we are giving our best out there every single week. We are taking the Hippocratic Oath of Sports I always talk about. Do no harm. Do your best. Try to win. We just can't win because we're not any good. And we're going to back our way into Caleb Williams or Drake May a top quarterback, and then our franchise will be better. The NFL, the owners' meetings going on right now, the NFL has approved the addition. They're going back to the emergency quarterback rule, which was in place years ago, like 11 or 12 years ago, where you can elevate a quarterback 
not from your practice squad, but from your active roster, who is inactive for, ga- for the game? So of your 45 or 46-man active roster on game day, from your 53-man roster, your third quarterback can be your emergency QB. This is due in large part to what we saw happen to San Francisco. They, they deem this integrity of the game, of the sport, as to why they passed this today in their first big official vote that got ownership approval. But it, here are the clarifications. I think there was some confusion. You can't carry your third quarterback on a practice squad and then elevate him on game day, which, I mean, you, you can, but your elevated players, which go back and forth each week, those are not those quarterbacks would not be eligible for the emergency QB status. You can only play that player, that quarterback. They're very specific about it. It can't be a wildcat scenario. Um, if both quarterbacks ahead of him are injured, if the medical staff deems one of them eligible to return, they must return, and the player can't play a different position. He's got to go back to the bench. But this will help out uh, a playoff team late in the year where it's not going to affect the overall outcome and you feel like they have zero shot, or you're playing a quarterback like they did with Brock Purdy who can't throw the football because his elbow is jacked up. Yeah, it's an emergency quarterback situation, which is helpful. But the, the only difference is not a practice squad guy. Yeah. He's got it. You have to carry three quarterbacks if you want to have the emergency status, which is – that's fine. I think you'll see more of that now as teams hit the postseason. Um, I mean, San Francisco could have done that. Chose not to. They didn't elevate their guy on game day. Hit us up with your thoughts. You can join us in the chat on YouTube or on Twitter. Just search out Outkick. Coming up, Power 5 conferences. And we've got the payouts. That's all straight ahead in hour number two of Hot Mike. Hot Mike.